0: Action movies rule. It's because when action directors yell, ACTION, they really mean it. If you're a fan of ass-kicking action films...
1: You and me, we know so different.
0: ...whether it's the absolutely thrilling one-liners...
1: You're a funny guy, Sally. That's why I'm going to kill you last.
0: ...the interesting gender politics... This hit lady's charm will break both your arms. She's a one-mama massacre squad. That's as good as any man I've ever seen. And the even more interesting plot lines.
1: An army of international terrorists has landed. Only one man stands in
0: their way. They're always wickedly entertaining. If you love action movies like we do, you'll love our new book. Mine's bigger than yours. The hundred wackiest action movies.
1: Come on, punk! Oh, I know what you're thinking. Mine's bigger than yours, right?
0: In true action movie form, it's... Coming soon. ...but is available for pre-order now on Amazon. Buy a copy, and we won't be forced to commandeer a chopper and hunt you down with a bunch of ex-Special Forces Ops. Thanks. From our downtown Toronto headquarters, here's episode 320 of the Really Awful Movies podcast. The launch of our new book, Mine's Bigger Than Yours, the hundred wackiest action movies. Now, we've been uh, teasing our new book... Uh, on amazon where it's available for pre-release and as of november 18th it's available in physical retail uh, provided uh, you know those uh, stores don't uh, die because of covid but uh, we'll be in uh, barnes and noble and uh, major retailers in canada the u.s uh uk and australia but uh, we urge our listeners to check out our book right now on amazon and help out the show so we're we're completely thrilled by this book, and uh, we've been working on it in a very dedicated way for the last, what, 18 months?
1: I would say so, yeah.
0: Yeah, and uh, so we figured we'd uh, describe a little bit of what it's all about, and uh, to whom it'll appeal, and how this project uh, got started.
1: Well, let's. Uh, I'll give you a quick answer to that, to whom it will appeal. I'm going to say everybody.
0: Every, oh my God. Everybody. <laughs> Every target demographic. So we we got uh, 65-year-old uh, women. Yeah, sure. Right. One.
1: Why not? Everyone loves a good rip roaring action film, don't they?
0: <laughs> I know, I certainly do. Uh, what What can you tell me about, uh, like, how I guess the world of action movie cinema has uh, affected your life, and uh, when did you first connect with it?
1: Well, uh, why don't we start off by talking about the the genesis of the book first, and then we'll get into that.
0: Sure, I guess uh, okay. that'll, we'll probably touch on that. Way back when, I had this uh, media job that, as you well know, uh, was all over the map in terms of working nights and weekends and all that, and inevitably, I think it was TBS, Turner Broadcasting, or Fox, one of these crappy networks, would show almost every Sunday, every Saturday, some 80s early 90s Steven Seagal effort whether this was hard to kill or under siege or one of these things and invariably when I would turn on the TV and there were TVs in my office all over the place because I was paid to monitor the media and watch TV and me and my good buddy Paul Mancuso to whom our book is dedicated we would catch these Seagal epic films and we would always ask one another okay in jest but in truth what is he this time is he an ex special forces fighter? Is he an ex DEA official, or is he an ex CIA official? Because he's nothing else. So it was the same. And when you go through his IMDb page, he's an ex CIA covert op in I would say sixty to seventy percent of its films. And it's <laughs> and you know this we were just killing ourselves laughing with like how well first off how crummy an actor he is. But second, just how fun these movies are and hard to kill, which actually inspired the title of our book. And, you know, Segal is in this epic fight in a convenience store bodega, and some generic goon is pointing <laughs> pointing a rifle at him. And Segal says, I know what you're thinking. It's not yeah. fair. Mine's bigger than yours. Yeah, life isn't fair, right? And, and yeah, so <laughs> Segal has. His output has deteriorated considerably, to say the least, well, in the I'm last say, 20 his years. His
1: input has, has increased considerably. I'm talking <laughs> about his input uh, into, his, uh, into his throat and his belly.
0: <laughs> That's true. It's definitely diminished.
1: In terms of the sheer number of movies he's releasing, I mean, the guy's got about 10 straight to video movies coming out every year.
0: It's funny. Last night, in fact, I was watching this film called End of a Gun, which is, I think, a 2016 effort. It's
1: hilarious because back in the day, I mean, the guy never used guns. He used his fists and feet. <laughs> but those were his lethal weapons. And now, now that he's become
0: um, the human itineration of the Pillsbury Doughboy, he's just guns. I, I like to think he was socially distanced ahead of his time, you know, but... Uh, this was so ridiculous because you know Pulp fiction has like a opening credits that's like five minutes long goes on for fucking ever. Well end of a gun every production company is rattled off. there must have been at least 15 after Lionsgate, none of which I'd heard of and I was thinking, well, how many of
1: those were based in Belarus
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely the king of the Eastern Europe uh, straight to video uh, market. It's, this one was lensed actually in in Paris. So, but oh. it's not going to oh. conjure up, you know, images of uh, Woody Allen's Midnight in Paris or anything, but it's the most beautifully situated film he's ever done. But my God, it's just so bad. He he connects with a woman I initially thought was a honeypot, so like enticing him into something, but it's actually a, a partner, uh, you know, like one of these cop buddy type movies and she helps him like steal money back from a drug dealer. But... The age difference between the two was so shocking. And the guy must be, what, 65 years old. And this woman was incredibly hot. And it just, I didn't buy any of it. Not to mention his glacial action scenes, which just, they looked like they're stunt doubles all over the place.
1: Uh, The deterioration of Seagal is nothing short of incredible. I mean, I recall when I first saw Steven Seagal, I believe it was above the law. I saw him in a theater. I think it was about 14. And this was a new action star for a new decade. This was no longer the muscle-bound, lumbering, sort of uh, Stallone, Schwarzenegger-type beast. This was a a lean, life, karate-killing machine, you know? Like, this is a guy who would go into a bar fight, nary a, a weapon, just his fists and feet, and, I mean, the snapping of the limbs, left, right, center, and just come going in there, just this, this, this thin Aqualine feature is being, I wonder, oh, it was with the ponytail, I mean, it was something else, and those snap of the limbs, I mean, that was something he brought to the action space that was brand new, and it was, it was incredible. The man was a, a dynamo, and he was followed up not too long by another uh, new breed of action star, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme.
0: Oh, indeed. And uh, so we should say, I guess both of these uh, gentlemen feature prominently in our book, but we go beyond uh, the usual uh, the mainstream uh, mainstream iconic one name and you recognize them, but also include the likes of uh, Brian Thompson. Who, who's got kind of a square jaw and is in a *Hired to Kill*, along with a very drunk Oliver Reed. But but and also,
1: I'm uh, perhaps best known for his role as uh, was it, I was going to say the Night Stalker, but it's a night nice, night nice slasher in *Cobra*. <laughs> oh
0: my He's God! A villain in Cobra. Yeah, yep. yeah, you're right. Oh, that's oh my God. Sorry, I just have, have a bad uh, image uh, associated with the Night Stalker because I've been suffering through the latest season of *American Horror Story*. Why? It had the Night Stalker, (laughs) a real-life killer, paired with like a a hybrid of uh, Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers, and the two of them working together to kill people in a summer camp. It is freaking terrible. But uh, (laughs) that's an aside. I was also going to say the incredible Reb Brown.
1: Reb Brown. I mean, this guy's got to be in about, what, four or five um, entries
0: in our book? (laughs) Yes, indeed. And, I mean, he's just... uh, Strike Commando has to be one of the most iconic... Action films ever, and the the sh- you know you can't help but at least want to shout, Dakota to yourself yeah, at least. One. And but also uh... Marikonsky. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Marikonsky. it's like taste great, less filling. No, it's <laughs> uh, uh,
0: But also Brent Huff, who uh, really helped us in actually uh, sourcing the cover material, and of course was the. Uh, uh, star of the even less heralded sequel to Strike Commando, Strike Commando Two, which, because you know
1: that Strike Commando One won all
0: the Oscars that year, so it's her- <laughs> heralded from here to Timbuktu. But <laughs> well, at least it's and, heralded know. by those of us who just really appreciate uh, poor, piss poor knockoffs of uh, more more well known products on these shores, Rambo and in that West case, okay. Rambo and all that kind of thing. But yeah. Yeah, so we've got, and also the likes of perennial star of, you know, Filipino knockoffs, Vic Diaz, who... The cherubic Vic Diaz. Yes, who, while not an action star per se, uh, rolls his portly self into so many different productions of all stripes. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So we're really hoping that uh, this this book really resonates with people, and um, especially folks who are really into uh, the human meme, Chuck Norris, but also like the... uh, the amazing canon produced films uh, in the eighties, of uh, which there are again, many in this book that we showcase. So,
1: yeah, well, yeah, let's just also say another person that's, it's uh, in our book um, numerous times. In fact, I believe that this person handily wins the award for appearing in the most entries in our book. You know, who I'm talking about Cameron Mitchell, Cameron Mitchell, B <laughs> movie stalwart Cameron Mitchell. The guy's got to be in at least a dozen movies that we, that are in our book.
0: Oh, he's an amazing guy. I mean, I was thinking, like, Christopher Lee has, what, a a Guinness Book of World Records uh, list of IMDb credits, like, 250 long, followed probably by Vincent Price. Cameron Mitchell has to be up there in the high, like, 170s or 180s. Like, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting some, you know, ridiculous uh, 80s horror schlock film or action film without seeing his, uh, you know, unique visage.
1: In the 80s and 90s, you couldn't swing a dead cat in any horror or action section of any video store without hitting some direct-to-video release starring, uh, I believe I call him in the the book, the staff of life for these films, Cameron Mitchell.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, and who else helped bring the book to life is our pal Brian Trenchard-Smith, and so he's uh, featured in, um, I guess, write-ups about Stunt Rock and Strike of the Panther, and but mm. he's done other uh, genre films as well, and uh, we should give oh, him okay. a shout-out for his own book.
1: Adventures in the B-Movie Trade.
0: Yes, that, a great title, and uh, so we connected with him through our mutual love of the genre, and he reached out to ask us to ask about the book biz, and we're happy to report that, uh, yeah, I mean, we're both going to order it i think this week if you haven't already but that's i mean australia is such a wellspring of uh uh, films of this type as well it has its own location yeah oh yeah so i mean we're thrilled to have uh, him write the foreword for us for our book and it's really bizarre because we actually um failed to reference the genesis of Minds bigger than yours and and he was the one who actually pointed it out in our foreword and we didn't you know we would have gone without having mentioned it and it would have left a lot of people in the dark i think so kudos you mean the to title. Oh, the title oh yeah. yeah the title of our book and it was like yeah. Man. yeah it's funny like i
1: i recall i'm going to take a little credit for coming up with the title and i came up with it independently of realizing it wasn't that seagal film i think you and i were just sort of brainstorming one day what to call this book we had the idea we had the concept obviously um Post uh, Death by Umbrella, the 100 Weirdest Horror Movie Weapons, we want to write a follow-up. And, um, you know, on the Really Often Movies podcast, we talk about genre films of all stripes. I mean, it's not just horror films. We talk about musicals. We talk about um, WIP films, etc. And, of course, we talk about action movies. So what better than a follow-up to our, um, our very well-received last book, Death by Umbrella, than a book about our, our second love, action movies. And we came up with this concept of the 100 wackiest action movies, I think inspired by some of the movies you are seeing at the time, like Miami Connection and Dangerous Men
0: <laughs> and,
1: you know, so many. And as you were saying before, all those crazy canon features, Death with uh, Three, of course, features Bromley in our book, et cetera, et cetera. And we were just sort of spitballing titles back and forth. And I, was, and I came up with mine's bigger than yours, and I was thinking, what's bigger? Bigger biceps, bigger guns, bigger explosions. In the world of action cinema, everything is big, 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 big. So mine's bigger than yours. It can mean so many different things.
0: And uh, luckily, I guess, hard to kill with, again, the aforementioned fight scene, but, and then we juxtapose that uh, on top of a big gun, and, again, our, our favorite, probably if you had to pick, like, one of our top three to five entries in the whole uh, 100, and we're just teasing a few of them, of course, but that would be Strike Commando, because it's just, Rep Brown is such an iconic figure. And, I mean, uh, juxtaposing his giant muscles with that really high-pitched voice and his goofy corncob, um, you know, Midwestern persona, it's really, like, you can see why he really failed to take off in a way that uh, Stallone did not.
1: It's funny you say
0: hard to kill, because we got hard to kill, we got hired to kill, we got wired to kill. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The book is really inspired by, I guess, what we called Seagal's uh, three-name oeuvre, when he was really hitting his uh, stride, which was, of course, you know, above the law and hard to kill. So that's when, but then things went into a tailspin for him. But those were really the iconic films that really helped uh, juice this book.
1: Well, it's funny. I just, I just picked up my author's copy right now. And I just flipped open to a page and you, just as you're saying the word iconic, and I see the entry on this page is page 16, Jim Cotta. How can you not get more iconic when it comes to wacky action <laughs> films than Jim Carter? You wrote this entry, and it's, it's great. I love
0: it. Well, I mean, it stands uh, head and shoulders apart from any other pommel-horse-themed films in cinema oh, history. Oh, without a doubt. I mean this goes without saying. I mean, unless mm-hmm. I'm missing That's out that uh, Citizen Kane pommel-horse fight scene. It's been a while since I've seen that one. But, yeah, that one is, has... Uh, made its way into the popular vernacular through the likes of Seth MacFarlane and Family Guy. It's just such a delight and such an absurd I I mean, it's so wacky and what's so amazing about our book is that's not even in the top five wackiest films. I mean, we have the one armed executioner, we have Mm -hmm. uh, crippled Uh, crippled Avengers with martial arts being uh, perpetrated by a bunch of people who are either blind, mute or infirm. I mean, it is really wacky.
1: We got Robo Vampire. We got Rotor, We got <laughs> tons and tons of wacky goodness in this in this uh, tome.
0: And uh, speaking of wacky, I mean, we almost we failed to mention. I mean, the king of the pastiche movie, uh, quasi pornographer uh, Godfrey Ho. Godfrey Ho uh, is I mean, Robo Vampire. Yeah. And again, uh, kudos for Brian Trenchard-Smith for bringing him up in the in the uh, intro as well. But I mean, that guy would just cobble together uh, X rated films with everything. I think his output also has at least 50% of which has Ninja in the title. So we got Ninja Holocaust, mm-hmm. city Ninja. I mean, you name it. This guy's the king of the ninjas. Indeed. And we got
1: American Ninja there too. So <laughs> because even if these films don't scream wacky when you hear about it, there's elements that are wacky. Oh, for they sure. Make them wacky.
0: Oh, well, uh, I was thinking of, uh, back when, uh, video stores were still, uh, we're still an active and uh, contributor to uh, the popular zeitgeist. There was uh, our pal at Suspect Video showcasing a particularly exemplary film that uh, is the brainchild of auteur and Solicitor in LA. Ah, yeah, I forget. Yeah, this is uh, Mr. John DeHart and his movie Get Even or Get Even. Or, or get, get Evan. Evan, you know, sick S I C, aka Road to Revenge, which is mm-hmm. one of the most batshit wild movies, and is I think the room of this of the genre. Uh, you know, followed closely maybe by Cracker Jack Three. Yep,
1: yeah, for sure. And we guys, so the reason why we're saying get Evan or uh, get Even is because. The title, even those two words, they're linked together. There's no space, <laughs> and it's in quotation marks for some crazy reason. So just the title alone is, makes it worthy of inclusion in our book. Oh, and yet yeah. there's so much more to get Evan, get even, get even, good evening. <laughs> good evening. <laughs> good
0: evening, Squire. Yeah. It,
1: it, it's, it's jaw-dropping, hilarious, and wacky, and off the charts. It's a vanity project for Mr. Gahart, and man, oh, man, does he have a lot of uh, vanity <laughs> to uh, display? To spread mean. around, yeah. Uh, well, Between his katas yeah. and his singing and his line <laughs> dancing and his soliloquy reading of William Shakespeare. And, ugh, just too, much, uh, too uh, much.
0: Satanic panic exposition, but we don't want to spoil that one. We urge everyone to see that for sure. But it's the broader themes, the ones that undercut and underpin the films in this space, regardless of whether uh, they're big-budget, star-driven vehicles or some misbegotten piece of tripe in um, in the Philippines that has Filipinos passed off as, as Japanese people. Mm-hmm. But there are certain themes that keep coming to a head that we've seen time and time again in action films that we just thought had to be linked together in a cohesive thread. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah. I, I just saw it's it last pro. night in End of a Gun, uh, the ubiquitous warehouse shootout and i don't know where like what who is doing security for these warehouses but you can just pop a door open easily and get involved in some firefight to the death in all and it doesn't matter if it's in a big city or out in the country And this even comes to a head i think in uh, sons of anarchy and all types of shows doesn't even matter if it's in the genre but particularly in action
1: Michael. oh yeah and in the book we, we talk about the surfeit of um, abandoned warehouses in the United States of America <laughs> they're sitting there waiting for shooting not, not to mention the, the, the number of warehouses but the number of railings within the warehouses
0: <laughs> and not right. to mention fact- factories as well like with the likes of Robocop and this was like, this way predated Donald Trump's uh, attempts to bring back manufacturing jobs so I don't know how these facilities are all available to people but my god and, and then there's also, uh, you can't, it goes with Without saying that you have to have your zingers and your one-liners before a beatdown you have to dispense with some sort of wisdom that, that these films became known for and there's a whole slew that we're going to get uh, touch on in the book and we're not mm-hmm. going to spoil them too much here but some yeah. of these themes that just oh, keep recurring. So many
1: tropes so many cliches uh One of my favorites is the hero and the villain after uh, an hour and a half of locking horns trying to destroy one another. They have sort of a bonding moment.
0: (laughs) You know, the two of us, Jeff, you know, you know. We're not that different, you and I. No, no. you know.
1: <laughs> Perhaps in other circumstances, we could have been friends. We could have gone for a cappuccino together and said, I'm going to blow your brains out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's almost like in the Great Wars where the Germans and the uh, English soldiers would sing uh, Christmas songs to one another. But yeah, they could have been friends if the circumstances were just slightly different. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's such a damn shame. Uh, also, we were talking as the in early in the books Genesis about henchmen, and I was sort of speculating as to how they would source the talent for this, because it's such a vital profession, and yet, um, like, short of I don't know what, like putting out an ad in Craigslist, but I don't know how you would and staff henchmen.
1: Well, it's funny you say it, it's such a vital profession. It is vital. I mean, every every arch villain needs a whole group of henchmen, but. Not very vital henchmen. They're not. <laughs> a, they don't really have much of a life expectancy. They're sort of like the red shirts on Star Trek. And second of all, they don't, they're not the healthiest sort. <laughs> well, in the 80s. Before, like the most tone not be found on many in 80s henchmen. <laughs>
0: It's true. This was before, uh, and I think this was common in professional sports as well, before training regimens completely began to dominate sports and athletics of all stripes, you were pretty much left to uh, medicine balls and uh, Monty Burns-style workouts. But (laughs) these guys, yeah, were really rail-thin, fairly useless. And you'd think, like, if you were uh, an international drug dealer holed up on an island compound, he would at least insist upon previous military experience. For, for some of your guys, but that is clearly absent in most cases because they always get behind one another single file without spreading out. And as we know from horror films, well, maybe not, but if you're all grouped together, you're just easy pickings for the likes of Jason Voorhees, right? Similarly, you're going to be mowed down in a, in a jungle milieu, so spread out, gentlemen, you know? Mhm, mm-hmm. I think, I think um, henchman. We were banding it, but wasn't that
1: our one of our original titles had the word henchman in it? It's hard out there for a henchman. That's what yeah,
0: it's... yeah. And that's, uh, I guess, a good decade out after the that uh, infamous uh, rap song uh, won the Oscar. But yeah, yeah, I think it's hard out there for anything. Is uh, way past its uh, before date. So it's good, a good thing, thing we... we didn't go with that one of it. Ultimately, because <laughs> <laughs> that would
1: have instantly dated our book by twenty years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and now, uh, speaking of military men. Uh, now we have a table of contents where we divide it as best we could into different sections. Now, of course, so,
1: similar to Death by Umbrella. I mean,
0: yeah. we got to say that
1: it's not even though it's the 100 wackiest action movies, it's not rang from 100 to one. It's no. just they're all together. They're all they're all equally deserving of the wacky title in amongst their own right.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. And so what we have is, uh, of course, though a, de- a chapter dedicated to those who serve. And I mean serve in the military capacity, not uh, further our interests in uh, just being in a bad action movie and serving our, our purposes. But so we definitely have, what is it, uh, enlisted men. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we do uh, tap into the... Uh, most, I guess, the I guess the subgenre which has the most uh, films in it, which would be uh, broadly speaking, karate and martial arts. So, ain't that a kick in the head? And then, but we also tackle some dystopian hell as well. Well, let's yeah,
1: let's go, let's go in order. So we have, ain't that a kick in the head? That's the first chapter. That's after the wonderful forward by Brian Trenchard-Smith in our introduction. Ain't that a kick in the head? The aforementioned Jim Kata is in there. We'll just say maybe two or three titles. We don't want to give away the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Um, American Inches in there, and uh, let's pick one more, Chris.
0: Uh, No Retreat, No Surrender. uh, No
1: Retreat, No Surrender. A
0: movie replete with retreating and surrendering. That was called No Retreat, No (laughs) Surrender. And if you've thought Jean-Claude Van Damme has been uh, typecast in perpetuity for being a Frenchman or a Belgian because of his uh, uh, marble-mouth accent, well, uh, prior to that, you'll be glad to know that he played a Russian supervillain. So, yeah. He was even billed as the Russian. <laughs> Fantastic! So, yeah,
1: uh, and then our next chapter of Baz's dystopian hell. and These are all your post-apocalyptic films and so on. So, one of one of the titles that's just coming out of me is "Land of Doom." Yes, "Land of Doom" with harmony. I can take care of myself. That's another cliché.
0: Oh yeah, I can. That, that's typically as it was the case in, uh, in. Land of Doom, but it's with a female uh, sidekick, and when she becomes separated from uh, the muscle-bound uh, behemoth with the Easter Island head, they us- she usually proclaims uh, in-, in defiance, I can take care of myself, which is resolutely never the case, but still, well, never say never, as we'll see in other chapters, but yeah, dystopian hell, we got Rotor, the fantastic uh, dystopian, robotic AI movie, way ahead of its time.
1: Where you make a robotic um Policeman, and you you feel um, fit to give him a mustache—a Ned Flanders-esque mustache—and
0: <laughs> <Aren't we? laughs> David Carradine and Future Force with his just beer gut protruding, even with a 140-pound skinny frame, really disturbing. He gets a prosthetic arm that he uses to, uh, you know, beat down bad guys. It, it's pretty bad. And uh, well, it's like a cannon on his arm, isn't it? <laughs> it is indeed. Following that, we
1: got kick-ass women. We got to include the kick-ass women.
0: Yeah, and really, all women are kick-ass, but literally, they're kick-ass here, as we've got the likes of, uh, I mean, Corman-produced uh, exploitation like Firecracker and T.N.T. Jackson, where the martial arts is, uh, hmm, let's say. Uh, socially distanced as well <laughs> and, and uh, definitely socially distanced in, Particularly in the in the case of TNT Jackson, which just like swing and a miss where you can see like, just huge gaps between the uh, the perp and the uh, you know the uh, <laughs> the protagonist.
1: Following that there's uh, the aforementioned enlisted men.
0: Ooh, yes. In the enlisted men, so you got, well of course it's just replete with all these kinds of mercenary fighters and strike commando deadly prey types, followed by revenge is a dish best served in this chapter. And you may say that revenge is a staple of every action movie, but this one in particular, it's all about vengeance and doling it out. And so there you have crippled Avengers, uh, Death Force... Which, uh, Rolling engines. oh, oh the great, yeah, Ned Beatty is in that one, wearing a ridiculously uh, undersized leather vest. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Uh, the next one, I mean, you know, a little bit of a, a crowbar with this one, but My Fist, Your Face, which is instead of having a specific martial arts like uh, Seagal and his propensity to bend back hands always, in every Seagal film, he bends back a hand, like, 45 degrees has to appear in every scene does he still do that, oh, he of do course. that in... that's the one thing he still can do because he oh. can't lift his leg above his knee so i mean you're <laughs> left to this kind of and always like it makes you wonder like aikido is pretty limiting right like it, it is solely dependent upon your antagonist grasping for your limb. So no one ever decides to punch Seagal. They always reach out for his lapels. Like, I don't know why. They just want to shake him because they're so angry with his terrible acting. But like if you want to beat up Seagal, kick him in the kneecaps. Uh, but anyway, My Fist, Your Face is more about punching movies. And that way you get stuff like The Condemned with the very unversatile Stone Cold Steve Austin and the, the yeah. likes of No Holds Barred, one of your personal favorites.
1: Yep, no, oh yeah, well I mean <laughs> I've come around to it but When I saw it in the theater as a young kid Oh my god, did that movie just solution me like no other <laughs> I've come around to it over the years And uh, it's one of my favorite write-ups Is No Holds Barred
0: And uh yeah, firestorm. The uh, yeah, Howie Long, uh, ex NFL, uh, you know, stalwart uh, with his cement head, just as a firefighter uh, battling forest fires, just truly a standout for that chapter. And then, of course, you have the long arm of the law. When you talk about Segal being a uh, a lawman, and he was for a brief time. Uh, a very brief time on television as a sheriff, but he's in there and hard to kill. And then we got this o uh, tour Iranian production, uh, Dangerous Men, Dangerous again man. with cops all over the place. Hard Ticket to Hawaii, love uh, Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Just a very love. bizarre like guy who lives on a boat action movie. Just it's you can't even you have to see it for yourself.
1: Andy Sidaris Flake.
0: Oh yeah, the great Andy Sidaris. The and then mm-hmm. Shotgun, one of our mutual favorites of just one of the great exploitation action films of all time featuring a, a basher who's into S and M uh, and sort of a lethal weapon knockoff of these two imbeciles who have to go after this killer. And there's just continuity errors and stunt errors galore. One of the great films as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Now we should be saying, of course, these are just samples of some of the titles. We're not giving away the whole kid and caboodle. No. You got to buy the book. <laughs> for
0: sure. And, uh, we did tell, we were debating whether to uh, touch on the superhero genre because it's just that's the, I mean the driving force behind box office these for that I guess the last five years, I would say. Yeah, and yeah, so we yeah. decided to throw in some films that um, really f- fail to take off in the way the Avengers movies have and they're really well, quite the opposite.
1: It's funny because we have in this chapter, which is entitled Superheroes, Mm-hmm. We have a Captain America movie, we have Wonder Woman, we have The Punisher, we have, you might think to yourself, well, wait, these are, these are big budget movies. But no, we have the earlier versions of these films, the low budget versions of these films. Captain America 2, Death Too Soon, which was a TV movie uh, uh, disguised as a backdoor pilot for a TV series <laughs> starring Brad Brown and Christopher Lee. The original Wonder Woman uh, movie starring Kathy Lee Crosby, not Linda Carter, not Gal Gadot, but Kathy Lee Crosby as Wonder Woman.
0: You got to love the, the deep deep dives we have into that, uh, and while well, the Batman logo may be recognized the world over. I mean, it's got to be up there with uh, the McDonald's logo at this point, but well, certainly not good. the Puma Man logo. <laughs> Puma Man, yep. <laughs> the movie that Donald Pleasant
1: said, and this is a man with a, a large filmography, Donald Pleasant cites as the worst film of his entire career, and he was in uh, Halloween's 5 and 6. So, I mean, those
0: are pretty <laughs> not- awful movies. So. <laughs> yeah, and the Puma Man was not a cash-in to the, uh, you know, the shoe brand of the same name, unfortunately. I don't think. It might have been. And then uh, lastly, of course, I mean, again, a shout-out to Seagal. That's oh, oh, my God. The man is just so integral to this book. It's uh, But we've got Covert Ops, and as I said, Segal is always a, a black ops or a former CIA special ops player, so obviously he's going to be involved in this too. And we've got Half Past Dead, which uh, pretty much describes his career, but also— At the time and still now, yeah. yeah yes, but also— the incredible Invasion USA with the inestimable denim-clad ass-kicker himself, Chuck Norris. Y- y- uh, amazing, amazing stuff. Stone Cold with... Virus, don't forget Virus. Virus and, I mean, Brian Bosworth. It's uh, We'd be remiss if we didn't give him a shout-out. Failed football player, terrible mullet, spiky blonde hair, uh, flame-out in the NFL, but certainly not in the... Oh, maybe in the action world, too. But not before giving us One of my favorites, Stone Cold. I did catch recently A Force of One, which uh, I wanted to podcast with you, which has characters just being aghast at this nascent thing called karate that was happening in the 70s. And it's really (laughs) amazing. And Chuck Norris is enlisted by a police precinct to... Uh, instruct its officers in the martial art. So it's it, it really is amazing how this sea change happened, I think spurred largely by Bruce Lee, but also uh, uh, to some extent exploitation and... Uh, Everybody was kung fu fighting. fighting. Yeah, they indeed were, and even more so. And, uh, I mean, at least the likes of Chuck Norris had the goods, and he was a karate champion, and he's a multi uh black belt in different disciplines and the same cannot be said about the likes of tnt jackson that's for sure or firecracker so it's but he really helped bring the the goods with bruce lee and there was just a a, a surge in interest in martial arts movies and i think there, there's going to be a rekindling of it thanks to the the ufc so uh, maybe we'll see a, a new golden era of action movies, but I'm not entirely sure if that'll be the case. Either way, what we tried to do here is, while we do focus on the golden era, uh, roughly from 1978 to 1988, plenty of 2000s and even uh, efforts from the last two or three years. For sure.
1: Yep. I mean, we tried to be as comprehensive as possible, just as we did with with um, Death by Umbrella. We tried uh, to stuff it with a bit of everything
0: definitely although i'm a little bit (laughs) worried we weren't as uh completist as we were with death by umbrella because death by umbrella is as complete as any book there is Mm -hmm. i'm never surprised by a new weapon that i've seen in a horror film that we didn't already cover so let's put it this
1: way i mean there are thousands of wacky action movies Mm -hmm. um just by the very nature of the genre and testosterone involved and so on and the the oversized weapons
0: and the machismo and this and, and that. the, the I mean, undersized vocabulary, that's for sure. The
1: undersized, I mean, they're, they're, most action movies have some sort of wacky element in them. What we tried to do was sort of skim off the top and, yeah. uh, you know, the cream of the crop, the wackiest of the wacky. And there's going to be some people who might take umbrage with something that we included and say, hey, I don't think that's too wacky. Read our write-up and you'll see it is pretty wacky. And then there's going to be people who say, why is this film not included? Well, hey. Every action movie worth its salt has a sequel. And this book, I mean, hey, I'm, I'm more than happy to get on a sequel. I mean, this hasn't come out yet, but uh, it'll be out very shortly. Agreed.
0: Uh, also, every action movie worth its salt has a bunch of henchmen who just are so indefatigable or so hell-bent on doing their duty for their uh, overlords that they just will, in succession – try and take on a hero who has beaten down three or four of their colleagues prior. Like that really is I think the most amazing thing about action films. like the nobody nobody, nobody
1: dedication of these henchmen, yes
0: it's, it's amazing. like if I if you and I try to fight someone and someone beat this living tar out of you, I'm not going to go run in after. Well, okay, that's a bad example. Maybe I would for you, but if I saw you and three or four of our (laughs) other buddies and getting beat like a rented mule, I'm not going in. I'm going to turn tail and run. Uh, You know, I mean, discretion and valor and all that stuff. But these guys, my God. And again, one in a row instead of surrounding the guy
1: use discipline of one at a time in every kung fu movie, you know, there's like thirty men versus one man, and yet instead of all thirty just piling on the one protagonist and beating the shit out of him, it's one at a time, and they just get their one watches the other get their ass kicked. And they go in,
0: fearlessly, to get their ass kicked yet again. This is pretty amazing. <laughs> it's almost like 18th century warfare in the like Na- Napoleonic Wars, where you just almost, as a gentleman, you would, you know, the two generals would agree to meet on so such and such a plane. And then you say, hey, I'll see you there. So nah, maybe maybe there's some sort of chivalry that we don't know about, uh, you know? The, these guys want to show off their own uh, fisticuffs and bona fides.
1: Yeah, yeah for sure. And so i got to say, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to toot our own horn or anything, but we worked really hard on this book, and, and I think it's a damn good book. I think the, our, um, our efforts have come to fruition. I think it's a great book, uh, a real fun read with a lot of interesting information contained therein.
0: Yeah, so it's not just, uh, much like in our horror book, the approach is to have a comedic bent, but also uh, offer a lot of cogent uh, observations, and, but also a, lot, a bunch of factoids and uh, referencing all sorts of different figures, from philosophy, from psychology. From philosophizers. Phlo- philosophizers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you name it, to literary figures. Like we really infuse this book with a bunch of uh, references. So it's not just your standard uh, shoot 'em up stuff or uh, or Chuck Norris type meme, but we re- really do reference a whole slew of different figures, and I think it'll surprise a lot of people with it, by it, it, by being it, it. smarter than the title would indicate.
1: Yep. So I gotta say, Chris, if I had one wish for this world, I have lots of wishes. Okay. But one wish is that yes, I would love it if people would buy our book. <laughs> Well, I think it's. I think. I think it's the book that we need at this time. It's going to bring joy into the hearts of
0: people. Yeah, I mean, it really will. With the likes of Roadhouse and Lockup, these restore your soul in these difficult times. They're mainstream hits, but they are also undeniably just totally misguided and yet incredibly lovable. And I would throw Stone Cold in there as well. But again, we tried to cover as many different types of films as we could, and we we. Belabored it, and we fought over it, and we tried to whittle it down to the ones that really, really were deserving of their of their space. But by the same, even if uh, you know our, our readers take umbrage, we at least try and write up every entry to the best of our ability and make it as fun and informative as as we could have. Mm-hmm, for sure, so buy our book. <laughs> buy <our> book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shameful plug and. Uh, Continue to enjoy episodes of the Really Awful Movies podcast uh, uploaded for your listening pleasure every Friday, and we shall talk to you soon. Take care.